0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne.
1: And Sebastian, big, big recap week. A lot of soccer going on. Oh my goodness. It and is, a lot of soccer upcoming.
0: Yeah, like it is absolutely insane. It's 11.30 in the morning right now, and uh in like three and two and a half hours, the Euros kick off. Um the women's, women's national team played last night. Men's national team played the other day. We we had a the Congo Cafe Nations League final in the middle of it. Like such a big week of things. And we'll get to everything outside of our club in a little bit after our interview. Because today's a strive month. So um, we're excited about that. But before that, tomorrow, it, it's the long-awaited, like long-awaited uh, Diamonds kickoff.
1: It's literally been like six months since we kind of announced this. Yeah. Yeah, it
0: has been. And it's been crazy to think that the day is finally here. Um, I've already told my wife that I don't anticipate sleeping much tonight uh, just because that's usually what happens in a like a different environment for me. I end up not necessarily sleeping a whole lot, but um, I can't wait for seven o'clock tomorrow night at Middletown Village to 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 get here i'm I'm really excited i think the team is ready i think the players are ready um i'm i'm Coaches hoping ready. i'm hoping we're ready uh but not only that i think it's just it's been a fun three weeks and now the next three weeks are gonna like zoom right by yeah. um but it's been it's been really fun i think it's been really cool to see the different experiences we've had with all the players so far we're gonna know the players a lot more which is really nice um so no, for sure, absolutely loving loving this right now. Absolutely, I'm hoping, I'm hoping a lot of people come out tomorrow.
1: Well, I mean, if they do come out tomorrow, yeah, there's going to be food there. It's going to be food out of the
0: out of the ordinary food trucks, food truck, and uh, mini melted Delaware are going to be there. So big shout out to them for for coming out. Uh, I've had their food and it's really really good. They got a really good vegetarian like option.
1: So really excited about that. Hopefully for the people that aren't vegetarians. Apparently
0: they have really good food too, too.
1: So the guy the, I talked to the guy he said he's going to restock all the meat too. Oh, there so you go. You have non-vegetarian options. So perfect. For the non-vegetarians such but as
0: For West. those of you that are carnivores.
1: <laughs> I've been reading a lot of
0: dinosaur books at home with the kids, so uh <laughs> to talk a lot about carnivores. Um so yeah, so uh, come out tomorrow. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and on Instagram at De Union Diamonds. Uh, tonight I'm going to post a Ask the Diamonds poll uh, on Instagram, and we're going to be answering some questions throughout the day. Even as we get there, uh, before our warm up, we're going to have some of the players answer some of the questions on Instagram and on Facebook. So uh, make sure you hit us up with any of your questions on at um, the Union Diamonds on. Facebook and Instagram. So, doing uh, last Saturday, you want to talk about last Saturday?
1: Yeah, we had three v three last Saturday. Um, you know, the end of the rec season. Uh, again, like we talked about last week, that you know those kids and those teams are ready to go. I mean, you saw saw kids in Chelsea jerseys, um, Spain jerseys, Spain jerseys. Kids had their hair dyed red, neon jerseys. I saw a team with sponsors. <laughs> they got sponsored out there. So, I mean, it's no joke out there. Um, it was a really good event. um Got to meet a lot of people. Got to touch face. People got to put the face to the name. Finally, they're like, "Oh, who's this Dwayne guy that's always sending me emails?" So, isn't
0: that great when you see that? Because now you're in that role. Isn't that awesome? That like you're like, "Oh, I'm Dwayne," and they like look at you like thinking, "Like, wait, what do I know that name from?" Like, yes, I'm the guy that sends you all the emails.
1: Well, yeah, and. Hopefully, they don't expect me to remember who all of them are. So that's the biggest <laughs> part. I, You know, people always, hey, Hate hey, Dwayne. It's like. Hey, how yeah. you doing? How are you? Nice to see you. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> where I remember you from. Um, <laughs> but happy to talk to you. Happy to talk to you. But yeah, 3v3 was awesome. Um, shout out to all the teams that won the championship. Shout out to all the teams that participated. It was hot. Um, you know, you had to, you know, you had to endure the heat as the fourth opponent. Um, but again, another good end to the season. And, you know, a lot of those players are now transitioning into our representative program for next year. So it'd be good to see, you know, what our rec program brings in in future years.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that'll be really, really cool. Um, so it was a good time. I was able to be there for a few hours and it was, it was really cool to see. Um, uh, I always enjoy the 3v3. Uh, I think it's, it's just a fun event. Um, big shout out to Jeff Cameron for organizing all the referees and shout out to all the referees for being out there. Um, it was it was definitely great to have everybody there. Um, we're almost at a year. This is episode 50. Um, we have this next week and then the week after that, and we're at a year. Um, we already got guests lined up for next week, and we uh, I've talked to Anthony. And Anthony is confirmed that he will be here on the 24th. Yeah, 24th. Um, Sorry, 25th. 25th. Yeah, on the 25th, he will be here for our uh, one-year anniversary. So, um, so I'm still not entirely sure. Granted, we're only two weeks away, so we probably should probably plan something quickly. But, but. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to do for our one-year anniversary. But most Gotta likely, we might just keep... We, well, maybe we been bring soccer in, but I was just thinking we will just keep it low-key. Uh, Maybe we'll do like a little best of maybe we bring back a, uh, since you and since you and Anthony are going to be here, uh, maybe we bring back a little low, uh, low key uh, uh, team abbreviation game. Here we go. That that might be fun. Yeah. Club abbreviation. Uh, We might, we might do that. Um, So yeah, so that's coming up uh, in two weeks. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast on wherever you're listening to and ultimately follow us on social media on facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. All right, so uh, we are back on a Strive Month uh, or Strive Week and we've, we've been, this is number three on our uh, on our series with Strive. They're going to come in once a month and we'll talk about different topics. Um, and it's really cool because we've been talking about this idea of of mental health we've been talking about the idea of psychosocial uh the, the psychosocial aspect of of athletes um so i think caroline's prepared to like a really really cool guest who i've gotten to talk to already for the last 10 minutes uh before we even started recording and i'm really excited to have her on uh so caroline who did you bring with you today
2: yeah, we brought Coach Gina. That is how I referred to her. But Gina, you can let me know how, how you want the rest of the people to no, know. That. Gina, Gina. Gina. <laughs> All right. Well, I have Gina and she is a brand new head coach at Bridgewater College. Um, And I'm super excited to hear from her kind of what this transition has looked like. And she has done a lot of work to really ensure the mental wellness of her players, of herself. And she is really diving into that. So I think with everything going on today, I'm, I'm excited to talk to her about that specifically. So Gina, go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Sorry, oh, before wow. you
0: before you do that, Gina, I by the way, I 100 percent appreciate the fact that you just go by Gina. Uh, I I don't like anybody calling me by anything but just Sebastian. It doesn't, it doesn't, it almost like just feels really weird when somebody tries to say something else.
3: Yeah, I also think it's like based on our experiences of what what we want to be called to. I mean, my dad was is a soccer coach as well. Um, he coaches high school girls soccer. And so he was coach Stefan. He was always coach Stefan. And then when I got into coaching, I started getting called coach Gina. And I was like, that just feels so weird. I don't like that whatsoever. But also I think that coach comes with these expectations and people approach you differently as if you are, I don't know, as if there's a hierarchy, something like that. And I wanna eliminate, eliminate that completely. And so I want them to see me as a person, just like I see them as people, not as these elite athletes that, you know, have to achieve these unattainable things, which of course we want our athletes to be their greatest selves and reach their greatest potential, but I don't want that to be the expectation. Um, So I totally agree with you. I just like to be called Gina because I am Gina and we are in these supporting roles that we want to be on a human level with them.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I used to teach. So anytime someone referred to me as Miss Lettner, like outside of school was the worst thing ever. So I see that. I understand that when we're doing any strive programming, I just go by Caroline. Um, a lot of our other staff, like go by coach something, which I'm into. Cause I think I see everyone as coaches, but I also see what you mean about, about those expectations. That makes a lot of sense to me, but yeah, we're, we're super excited to have you on. Um, and I'd love to hear just kind of first off the bat, like tell us a little bit about your transition to Bridgewater, your time as the head coach there and how that's been going.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, it's been a rough go. <laughs> it's just been rough I think for everyone. Um, when I got into this career path, um, I was coming off of receiving my second master's because my first one, I decided I didn't want to go into that. Um, I got a master's in psychology, and I was doing research, and um, I was sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, and I was like, no, this is, <laughs> this is not going to be my life. Um, yeah, everyone's shaking their head like... <laughs> um and we're all heard,
0: coaches here we 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 yeah. want to spend as much time outside on the field as possible
3: yes and and interacting with people I mean like I was sitting at a computer doing research all day and though I knew it would be effective and it was applied and it would be great for other people but I wasn't doing any of that and I was like no I gotta get I gotta go and do something um and that's when I started coaching um and I just fell in love which I'm sure that's what happens with everyone. Um, you fall in love with the process, you fall in love with the growth, you fall in love with, you know, seeing people achieve their goals. Um, and having a psychology background in that and working in the field of ADHD, um, behavioral modification programs, um, utilizing those different aspects onto the field, it was absolutely incredible to see what not just what they got out of it physically, but what they got out of it as people, and you know, the joy and the excitement that they got when they progressed and they saw it. Um, so, after I decided to go into sports administration, um, and um, after that program, I just applied to all of these assistant positions, um, and I ended up at Haverford College in Philadelphia, and it was the best move of my entire life. Um that program was incredible, an incredible learning experience. And um, not just that, but I also got hooked up with Strive. And so it like, I don't know, someone said once that when you know you're on the right path, the universe aligns for you. And I just feel like that was like such a eye-opening thing for me of everything was falling into the right places um, until COVID hit. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I lost my position at Haverford. Um, all the assistants did. Um, I also couldn't coach with the club that I was coaching with, um, in, in Philly. And so, uh, my life pretty much hit pause and, uh, coaching was not a part of it. Um, once things kind of started rolling and opening up again, um, the Bridgewater college assistant position, uh, got posted and I applied for it and, um, I was offered it, accepted it. And moved to uh, Stanton, Virginia in the middle of the pandemic, which was a really weird thing. Um, and also just going into a weird time for everyone. Um feel like it was a huge coaching moment for all of us of just adapt, overcome, problem solve, figure out what you can do instead of looking at all of the things that you can't and really being that solution-focused mindset of you know we have to we have to figure this out for them um, because this is this is such an important part of their lives um, for so many reasons because we all know that you know we have life lessons learned through sport. but we as as kind of the leaders of this program, we have to teach them how to be resilient because mm-hmm. if we don't, then this could be so detrimental to the rest of their lives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I was so excited to have you on today is kind of you already hit on it is how open you are to discuss some of these things that I think a lot of people either don't want to or feel like stigmatized around speaking about it. Um, and you are you are incredibly open, which I'm sure your athletes enjoy because you are able to create that space of openness to talk about, hey, this is hard, like this is not easy for us. Um, obviously, 2020 going into 2021 was a challenge in different ways for all of us, um, but it sounds like you certainly had one heck of a go of it. Um, today, I really wanted to like harbor in on what you were saying around mental well-being and how you can support your athletes and how you can support yourself I think something that uh Sebastian and I, I won't call you coach Seb but Sebastian and I have talked about a few times is like we as coaches or as people working with youth regardless um you're expected to always be on in order to support your youth and the people that you're working with but we're human as well and we have good days and we have bad days um so I wanted. to to hear from you what you feel is the biggest barrier that coaches specifically face when trying to care for their mental well-being.
3: I mean, I think you just said it of that nonstop go. And and we learned that as athletes, though. When we were athletes, we had to do everything to be the best. And if you took a break, if you showed any sign of wavering, it was a sign of, quote unquote, weakness. And that stigma for athletes to be strong, to be resilient, like that, I, I don't like the phrase mental toughness. I think that it is very, it just, it just has this sense of, you know, like we're. it's, expect- it's almost like,
0: it's almost like the bar is too high at all points.
3: Yeah. And we're expected to have it too, of this, like, you know, everyone gets the word grit wrong. They, they actually don't know the scientific definition to grit. They don't know the scientific definition to mental toughness and to resili- like It is resiliency. And we as coaches are the ones who are teaching that with how we do things. And so when they see us not stop, when they see us go, 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 and not give ourselves a break or have the opportunity to be vulnerable and say, guys, I am just, I'm just spent today. I have had a really, really tough day and I need your support now. Um, I need you guys to kind of like lift me back up. And then also showing that they have value too, like showing that they give you things just as much as you give them, that it's that reciprocal relationship because we don't know anything unless we're taught it, unless we see it, unless we can apply it. And so we have to apply that sense of, I, you know what I like today I need a break and we, now we have control over that too, as coaches.
2: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. And I think like, again, from my experience teaching and then like, I am an assistant coach at a club here as well. So I see that so regularly. I see that that idea of like, we just have to constantly go and growing up in the athletics world, it was all about like being tough and rubbing some dirt in it. And I got that as a woman. So I can only imagine like what that is seen over on the men's side as well. Um, And I think like modeling how to take breaks or how to like share, Hey, this is what a hundred percent is going to look like for me today is I can't imagine what that experience would have been and how that would have changed my experience in athletics growing up. Um, even with work, like the the concept of taking a day off, like you would have to, you would have to be physically incapable of getting out of bed in order for it to be a valid day off. Um, I see that, I see that in myself now and I'm trying to talk through it all the time and remind myself like, Hey, this is a valid excuse. This is a reason to take a break. Um, what are some strategies that have worked for you when talking to your players about like what you're going through because i think some coaches fear like well i still need to do my job i still need to i still need to be there um so what have you been able to do that allows you to model that but also still do your job
3: yeah <laughs> it's it's tough and i think it comes with knowing your athletes too like actually talking to them and and forming a connection with them where they trust you. It's not just that, you know, we're talking about this at Strive with one of the projects of that transaction versus transformation, where it's not a transaction to actually be transformational in their lives, you have to form trust. And to form trust, you have to build that with them. So actually asking them questions and and validating their feelings, not saying like, oh, well, if you do this, like, then that won't matter. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like, like their feelings matter, what they are experiencing matters and actually acknowledging that and validating that, you know, you are a person, you are a human, you are allowed to feel this way because that's your experience. Like from what I've gone through with not only myself but other athletes that have like opened up like had the courage to open up with me as well um that's really where you see the difference um so yeah just talking to them and making sure that you know they're in a safe place and then asking them why asking them what their experience was, like, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? And okay, like, let's figure, let's figure it out, like, lay it all out for me, and we can work through it together. And just always being there for support, and always being there for encouragement.
2: Yeah. It sounds like actions speak louder than words. Sometimes like the words are, the words are small and few there, but showing them like being responsive to whatever it is that they say, creating action plans. Those all sound like something that will help the players. Because I think we have all been in situations where people claim that they hear you or they see you, but then actions don't necessarily follow. And so that can feel frustrating and alienating. I think like you started to hint towards it when you talked about your own athletes and having the courage to come up to you I think that's a perfect way to describe it because oftentimes especially again when I was when I was playing like I didn't view that as a courageous act. I viewed that as I've hit rock bottom and now I have to go do this. Now I have to go tell my coach I'm in a tough spot or like I didn't even, I wasn't even the one that was telling them someone else was doing it on my behalf. Cause you're too nervous. And I know, I know the pressures that were on myself. I know the pressures that were on all of us when we were growing up playing sports, um, playing time, et cetera. But as my time coaching and teaching now, I feel like there are different barriers that our athletes are facing, um, that are totally new than anything I've experienced. I cared about playing time. I cared about winning, but I, I, I just see athletes feeling so much more pressure than I think what I experienced. What is your take on that? What do you feel are different barriers that athletes are facing today?
3: I don't know. I mean, obviously like social media is talked about all the time of, you know, now all of our, all of our, you know, internal thoughts are out there and you see them. And I mean, specifically with, with female athletes, um, perfectionism, body image, all of these things are now right in your face, diet culture. And it's, you know, basing our self-worth off of what other people think of us and the appraisals of others instead of how we define ourselves. Um, And I think that's, that's a really big, it's it's a really big time in their lives right now where they're creating their own identity, but they're getting their identity from other people instead of themselves. And we as coaches need to help them say, no, like my self-worth is not defined, but what you think of me, but what I do with, with my actions and I, what I do with my thoughts. Um, and really just based around empowerment, you, you know, like how are you building your athletes' confidence? How are you empowering them to take action? Um, and something that I learned in grad school um, was motivational interviewing and That's a really, really effective tool to use when talking to your athletes. And it's all about, you know, reflective listening, asking questions and informing when necessary. So they're doing most of the talking. You are just there to listen and to guide and to facilitate. And it it goes along with that athlete-centered environment that you want to build. You know, like if I tell my athlete to do something, they might, they, Probably won't do it just based on it's me, an outside source, telling them. And if I haven't built that trust or respect with them, then they are just going to brush me off um, immediately. But if I actually am talking to them and I have built that relationship where where they know that I care, then they're the one who's talking. They're the one who's speaking about what they want. And they're more likely to carry out the actions necessary to get there. Um, because it's based on their autonomy, not on my control over them.
2: Yeah. I love that phrase of motivational interview. I don't know if that's something I've ever heard of, but I hope this isn't putting you on the spot too much. Do you have examples of questions that you've used in motivational interviews to like help that conversation go? Because I'm sure any of the adults and coaches listening to this could benefit from that.
3: It's a lot of open-ended questions. So it's not when we pigeonhole ourselves and saying, asking a question, then it's either like a yes, no answer. You're probably not on the right path of, you know, opening up that conversation for growth. Um, so a lot of open-ended questions, I I wish I could give you some specifics, but really it's just, it's about that conversation that you have with them. Um, and and keeping that conversation, a lot of how does that feel? What does your day look like? Um, why why do you think that way or what what has helped you along in the process stuff like that like like at, just ask any open ended question and then reflective listening say it back to them in a different way um and then once you kind of filter through where they're at just like strive language you know meeting them where they're at see their knowledge base what do they know and then you work your what information you give to them off of that,
2: yeah. I think that sounds similar to like the Strive for Why's. Um, and for people listening that may not be familiar with it, one of the things that we do at Strive is when you're trying to tap into your players' passions or tap into their motivation. Um, Strive famously always refers to the fact that there are no unmotivated students, unmotivated players, you just haven't found what motivates them yet. And so when you're trying to understand why they're playing soccer or why they're in the class that they're in, whatever the scenario is, we ask why four times. So the first why usually is that superficial one that people stop at. So it's like, why do you play soccer? Well, I like to play soccer because I'm out here with my friends. Well, why are your friends important to you? And then you keep going down that path of why and really challenging yourself to think deep. And it gets into some really, really interesting answers that, like, personally, for me, the first time I did it, I had never even thought about that. For me, growing up playing soccer, I didn't think much of it. It was kind of like, oh, I I do this with my friends. But then when I started working at Strive and I ran through that exercise, it was, well, my dad did it when I was growing up. And now I got to bond with my dad because he played goalie too. And so our time was out on the field in the middle of the summer, him and I playing soccer and passing the ball around. And that was our moment. And I never really understood that soccer had such a significant impact on me because of that relationship. All of my friends growing up were because of soccer, but I wouldn't have taken the time had someone not pushed me to go beyond my first why of like, Oh, I like playing with my friends. Um, And so I think it's exciting to have those conversations with your players to allow for those answers to come up. It can be really powerful. Um, I really appreciate appreciate that. I'm like a little bit jealous and want to be a player on your team.
3: Oh, my God. No, 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 no. But I really love that because... You also, like, if I was your coach, I would learn more about you. And now that deepens the connection because you were vulnerable enough to share that really, really important and connected piece of information with me. And now I can coach you differently. Like now that I know kind of like where you're from, what experiences you've had, now I can tailor the way that I motivate you or what I give you off of that and I think that's where, you know, it's something that I'm really trying to learn as well right now of how to motivate each athlete differently. And I feel like, like personally, I struggle with this because I've been jumping around a lot and I haven't been in really one place where I, where I, I get to know my athletes, but then I'm like, oh, I wish I, I wish I was with you another year because then I would be able to do this and this and this. And like, you know, but like, it's definitely something that is um one of my goals for the next couple of years of actually being able to stay in one place is to figure out my motivation, like my athletes' motivational styles and how I can work with them and what I can teach them. And I mean, um I'm reading Good to Great right now by Tim Collins, mm-hmm. and he always says, you know, you get the right people. And if you have the right people, then you don't actually have to motivate them. And I can appreciate that. However, in the area that we are in with youth and adolescent athletes, we have to teach them. We have to, we have to tailor our environment around what we want out of them. And I think it's really important to know the science behind that so that we can now apply that to our environment to allow for like healthy well-being and allow for for a good psychological mindset so that they can take what we've given them and apply it to all the other areas that they're passionate about not just the sport
0: well and i think that's that brings up a really interesting point um and i was thinking about this when you were when you were mentioning that the idea of the connection with the with your players um so I've, I've been coaching the same team for the last four, three years. I'm going in my fourth year with them. And um, this year is the first year that I've shared some more of my personal like life experiences with them. Um, almost this idea of because we were just in a tough spot and a tough moment. And when we just couldn't figure some things out. And I wanted to give them a little, <clears throat> almost peel back the curtain a bit, right? So give them a little bit of my experiences as a player. And I told them, I was like, you know, I don't really talk about myself as a player mostly because I wasn't the example. I hated going to practice. Um I blamed it I blamed everything on other people. I I used to get into like fights with with my teammates, like all those things that I'm almost like the opposite of when when now as a coach. Um and that somewhat shocked them. They're like, "What do you mean you hated going to practice? Like you're always at pra- like you're always like an hour here, like an hour early, like you're staying late, like if you could practice 5 days a week you would, like I was like, yeah, but that I didn't really figure that out until I became a coach. As a player, I didn't never appreciated what I had, and I think that <clears throat> that uh, that took the players and were like, oh my god, like Coach Sebastian's like a real person. It's like you said at the beginning, right? Like it brings back a sense of reality. And I think at times, and I've and I've been doing more of this where a, a, I've and I've done this before. I've done this all the time, probably since I started coaching, where I asked them how they're doing and not only how are you, but like, hey, how was school today? Like, did, did you have anything that you had to do, like presentation and things like that? And, and those things open up some conversations that are usually pretty interesting and pretty cool because you find out more about them and then they really appreciate it when you call it back two days later when you see them again, if you're like, oh, hey, how'd your test go that you had to study for the other day? They're like, oh, you remembered? Yeah, of course. Like, what, how did it go? Um, so I think they really appreciate that. But I think on on top of it, It starts, especially at the youth level, when we're dealing with parents and families so much more, when you become vulnerable with their kids and then you relate that back to their parents, their parents, again, sometimes we live in this mentality that, um, it's like the idea of the school teacher when you run into them at the, at the grocery store, right? They're like, wait, what are you doing here? Right. So everybody thinks we just live inside of our building at the field and we just come out for practice and then we just get tucked back in away like robots. Right. Um, it, it because and the only reason why I bring this up is because I've had a team. So uh when I my first year coaching at Delaware Union, um, one of my teams had a tournament and I was at a wedding. I was at my best friend's wedding. I was his best man in Florida. My team had a tournament in Maryland, 30 minutes away from Middletown, and I was getting phone calls and text messages from parents going like, We're losing, we're like, what are like this is going poorly this is a u11 girls soccer team at the time <laughs> you're not here yeah I'm not like and i think that in that moment the mistake i made was to respond right instead of just completely ignoring it and, and being where my feet are we're, we're gonna use the strive moment there um but and it wasn't until later on where i realized like i have to set boundaries for myself a for my family but b for myself and for so, so parents understand because if not I'm almost—it's the idea of the, going back to the the book legacy. Um, the idea of planting seeds for trees you'll never see grow, right? I'm planting a seed that is going to grow badly later on if I don't correct the mistake now, right? It's not necessarily about me and putting up with with certain issues. Is if I set these kids up or their families up for failure by allowing them to think that that kind of behavior is okay, then I've ruined it for the next coach, and I'm ultimately never made. The, you know, I've never made a difference to a certain extent. And then the other thing that, that came up as I was, as you were talking, uh, Gina, um, and I experienced this this weekend, I'm, and I'm, I'm still going back in my head to figure out if there was something I could have done. And I'm not entirely sure what I could have done, but so I'm coaching uh, boys ODP, which I don't normally coach boys, but I coached boys ODP this past weekend and I'm coaching in my last game and we're having we're having a great time with the kids um I'm enjoying it it's really hot we barely have any subs like we're we're just we're just enjoying the day at halftime I tell them that like there's nothing better to do on a sunday morning than have a soccer ball at your feet so just go out and just have fun and just enjoy it uh, that again became like a big motivational part we ended up winning which was kind of cool but beyond that part of it we're coaching against a coach who decides that his way of connecting with these with his players is to just basically tell them everything wrong that they're doing, which fair enough, I guess, if that's the way you coach. Um, and, and I'm sitting on my sideline just kind of chuckling at myself because um, I'm like, you're coaching ODP. These players don't all play on the same team. So you're trying to connect with them in a very short amount of time. This is not the way you're going to connect with them. But, anyways, so at one point, he tells one of his players, "Why don't you stop hitting the ball with your purse and hit the ball with your foot?" And I'm like, "Um, well, that's not the that's not right." Yeah. Um Yeah. Like, it, it, especially as somebody who pretty much out, outside of this past weekend exclusively coaches girls soccer, uh like it almost like that really just really rubbed me the wrong way so and i really like pondered to myself like what like in that moment because especially in the in a, in the world where social change is happening all over the world and in my own little like slice of of of, the, of delaware or in the world or my little uh place like maybe it's a question for the three of you like in general like I didn't. I didn't say anything because I just like looked at it and I'm like, I I, I felt bad for the kids, right? But at the same time, I'm like, I, I thought about like, or do I say somebody somebody else, right? Do I like find a way to say like, no, that's not okay? But I ultimately didn't. I'm still kicking myself for not doing anything. But like, is there something I don't know? in, in Gina, at the college level, when you do maybe experience some of the you know quote unquote old school ways of of doing things like. Is there, are we in a place where that is starting to be checked at at, at a place?
3: From my experience, yes, with the ongoing education and knowledge that is now being shared with everyone. I really do think that it's changing. Um, I think that people now know the research behind um, punishment and um, reinforcing things off of running or um, like physical pain. And it's the complete wrong way to go about it. You're not building intrinsic motivation doing that. And you're not building the purpose of why you play. I mean, we play to have fun and to enjoy and to get better. And by punishing based on physical Pain, like it, but you're not going to get that out of your athletes. And I think we're starting to see that. And I think we're also starting to see less ego motivated coaches. So I think a lot of like the old school way of doing it is, you know, I am the head coach. This is how we do things. It's for the purpose to win. And, you know, we have to do it this way or else we're never going to get that outcome. And I think it's, very much um, collective now where we're starting to learn about and building an athlete-centered environment and us coaches being more facilitators and guides and planning practices a way that we want our players, what we want our players to get out of it and having them have input and, and having them explain you know, what is this purpose? What are we learning? What do we want to get out of this? How do we go about this? You know, putting it back on them for them to say it because that's cognitive learning theory. Like we know that now. And I think that as, as that knowledge is being shared, we are better people as well. Um, But I mean, that is like, you were in a tough spot. Like that wasn't your team. That wasn't, that wasn't, um, that wasn't a coach that you knew, right? So, so you are in such a tough spot that you see you see this happening, and I think I I feel like we all could say this. I was at a tournament this past weekend too, and I was walking by a mom and a daughter, and the mom turns the daughter and says, "Well, you don't get a medal for second place." And I I walked by and I was like, "This is what we're like. This is what we're up against at the college level of." the youth, you know, prioritizing that win at all costs or like prioritizing, like what you didn't do. And that's not really teaching them. Like they know what they're doing wrong. (laughs) So like, we're not telling them how to do it right. Or like tap into that creativity of the athlete and, and ownership of the athlete, um, as well. And, you know, having such a short time With them to build that connection, you're already at a loss. And I love the way that you went about that of, you know, we're here to have fun, like, we're here to just do our best and see what we can get out of it. Um, I love that you went with that approach, because then they're in a different mindset and they go into the game differently and have less pressure because they're already at this tournament. You know, ODP is a big thing. It's a big tournament. I know exactly what tournament you were at. Um, And, and so um, it's, you know, they already have pressure going into it, but you just alleviated the pressure that they had by saying, you know, this is for you to do your best. And this is for you to have fun. So it's, it's definitely different ways to approach how, like what you want out of your athletes. Well,
0: and I think part of it was, and it was interesting I, at halftime, I told them, I said, listen, um, I, and, and, and I asked them, I, I flat out said, Hey, do you think the other team is enjoying this? And they they flat out said, no, they're getting yelled at all the time. And I said, you know, it's interesting. I said, when you become a coach, um, and they laughed at this part, you know, I said, when you become a coach, you're handed this book. And it's a book of cliche phrases that if worst case scenario, you have nothing else to say, instead of doing the right thing, which is probably just to keep your mouth shut, you go to this cliche book of phrases, right? So in soccer, it's uh, it's playing, it's basically playing cliche phrase bingo. Um, it's uh, let's pass the ball harder. Communication, communication. We just need to prove, be better at communication. Um, uh, form triangles, form triangles, uh, you know. It's, it's those things or, or the old, and and you made a point of this is pointing out all the things that (laughs) these kids already know they're doing wrong. Right. It's, Hey, we're wearing blue, not yellow. Yeah. We know that. Like, and, and, and again, I think in my younger years, I found myself saying these things of like, you know, we're not, don't play, don't pass it to the other team. Yeah. Duh. Like we, we understand this and these kids. And I feel like at times we, we almost lose, we, there's a lack of respect that we as coaches have for the players for not giving them the respect that they, that they know what they're doing. They're processing a bunch of different things in a very short amount of time. And sometimes they're going to make mistakes. Like that's just part of life. Um, so I, I kind of told them that part of it and they were, they just, they, they really got a big, like laugh out of it because like, and I found myself now, being so much more intentional with my words when it comes to coaching. I find myself at games talking way less, even at my younger teens where I usually end up doing the most amount of talking because they need the most amount of direction. But I just find myself just sitting there and just watching it and enjoying it. And I talk to them about, a, about a practice and I tell the parents, listen, my job is Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday is me just making tactical adjustments. But at the end of the day, my work was during the week. That's when I did the majority of my talking. Now I just get to enjoy you watching you play. Now I'm going to make tactical adjustments. I'm going to, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be competitive. I'm going to, at some points, yell like that. All those things are going to happen. That's just part of me as a person, but I'm going to try to be more intentional with the way I talk. Right. Like I, I just like, I, and I now start finding myself really just like having this internal monologue with myself or just, or just really just laughing out loud at times because I can't control it. When I hear that. like, again, it's that cliche bingo. If I hear somebody go, we need to do a better job with communication. I just really just break out laughing. Cause I'm like, what does that mean? Yes. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, do you just want them all to start talking to each other in the middle of the, like, what, what does that mean? Um. So it's, it's interesting, interesting that you brought that up. So one question that I had, um, was, so what is your, now that you've changed this into this role of a head coach, um, and you've been an assistant coach before, now you're switching to this role of a head coach. How do you take on that, um, leadership role from having a coach or assistant coach to a certain extent, right? Because you've, you've lived it and you've, you've. You know, the, you know, the, uh, the tough times, you know, everything that comes with it, but what do you intentionally now are going to look to do with your assistant coaches to help them grow? Because that's, that's uh, again, at times the unspoken thing, right? Everyone talks about coaching the players at times, and we don't necessarily talk about coaching our coaches, right? Especially when we're in a position where we can help each other out.
3: This is such a weird time in my life because I've never been like that leader before. I I I don't know what to say because I'm really trying to figure that out myself because um, you know, I like, you know, talk about being authentic and talking about um like being vulnerable. This is what I talk to my therapist about. Um I talk to my therapist about, you know, the leadership role that I'm now being thrusted into. And what that means to me, um, and how I want to redefine that role to the culture that I want to create and the environment that I want to create, and that goes along with my assistant as well. You know, I've never had someone who has looked up to me as a coach before. Um, I've always looked up to someone and and learned from other people, and now there's this person who's learning from me in this role, and. Um it's definitely it's definitely a very weird and uncomfortable position that I'm in um, because I don't really see, I don't see myself as this person with all this knowledge that I can give people, you know, like I am very much a, you know, I I think every relationship is reciprocal, reciprocal. Every, you know, a person that comes into our program, I want them to give as much as they get because that's what being on a team is that you know my my weaknesses hopefully my assistant is going to have and and they're going to point out my blind spots because we need that you know we we can have you know strive talks about self-awareness of of being aware of ourselves and what we do and um I love what you said about being intentional with our words because I I'm definitely a processor. I'm I have to think about things because I know how Either effective or detrimental, one word could be like talk about like psychological well-being. Like we could even either, either make or break a player with one sentence that we have for them. Um, and being so cautious and aware of, of what we say really matters. And I want my assistant coach to be able to see that, of you know, point out the things that you think might be harmful you know, and that's, that's a difficult conversation to have with someone who is supposed to be superior to you, which I, again, disag- completely disagree with. Um, but it's, it's hard, and it's weird. And I don't know, I don't know what other people think about it, um or the experiences that other people have had with it. Um, but I don't know, I just see someone else coming in who wants to learn because I'm learning too. And I feel like as coaches, we're forever learning. Like the game is going to change always because there's going to always be new moves or always be new ta- tactics because it's an ever evolving process. Um, so I, I have no answer to that <laughs> um, because I'm still trying to figure it out, figure it out myself. <laughs>
2: My brain has been buzzing since you guys have been talking, and I think, Gina, I'll push back on you a little bit specifically because I think that everything that you have talked about on this podcast so far, the fact that you have been transparent with your players, the fact that you have been open with them about both your experience as well as what they're going through, like you stepped into a leadership role right there. I think that when we think about leaders and this is something strive talks about all of the time is like, there is this stereotype of a leader. That's this loud person that everyone is looking at and everyone is following. And so maybe you're not that type of coach. Maybe you're not that type of leader, but you are the coach. You are the leader that is coming there and making your players feel welcome. And you're coming there and making them feel heard. And so that that's how you stepped into that transition. Um, My my example of this is like my first year of teaching was sounds similarly challenging to what you're experiencing right now. And I remember one of my my mentors at the school came in and she was like, you need to get your teacher stare down. And all of us are familiar with the teacher stare. It's when you're doing something wrong and the teacher pauses and they're like the mom look. Um, I'm not an intimidating person. (laughs) I am not, that is just, it's not who I am. It's not, it's never going to be a strength of mine. So I would go home and stand in front of the mirror and like practice this like mean mug that I could like try to like intimidate my students with. And it wasn't working every day. I would go in. I was like, all right, today's the day. Like I believe in myself. I'm going to, I'm going to really make them respect me today. But the reason that it wasn't working is because that's not my style, and what I ended up finding was working was I would go into my classroom and when one of my students was doing something wrong. I would just pause and kind of smile at them. Like, I see you stop it, you know, like a, a little look like that. And that's what worked for me because that was genuine to my style. And that was genuine to who I am as a teacher, who I am as a coach, et cetera. I'm a goofy person. And so I think you have stepped into the leadership role. You've just stepped into it the way that is comfortable and right for you. And I think so many of us look for the right way to lead or the right way to do that, but there are 800 million books on this thing because there's that many types of correct ways to do it. And there are wrong ways. Like coach said, referenced the other coach doing that is a wrong way to do it. And I think like going back to that situation, my perspective on that is like, as long as you model to your team that that was not an acceptable thing for him to say, like things are in and out of our circle of control, you know, so you're not going to control that other coach, you know, in, in pre COVID time, if you guys were doing the handshakes, you could have let him know that you didn't appreciate that. But other than that, I think it's just being within your circle of control. And so I think, well, I think it, you
0: know, if I can, if I can give Gina, if I can give you a little like advice to a certain extent, just because I've dealt with this as well, um, or just my perspective on it, I guess. Um, so for the longest time, I refuse to have assistant coaches uh, on my club teams, mostly because I love being an assistant coach. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I pride myself in saying that I'm a really, really good assistant coach. Uh, i love talking um i really hence the podcast but i i, I genuinely love being like being the, the head coach of a team or have or being put in my being put in a position where i can be in front of a group um but what i think i enjoy most is being an assistant coach and almost just kind of sitting back and just listening and and finding my my specific role um so when when I was at times, almost to a certain extent, I found myself going like, all right, I need to have an assistant coach and I'm going to bring in my older players to coach, to help me coach my younger teams. Um, You know, and and the typical assistant coach, especially when you're bringing someone that's still playing that I was still coaching and also helping me coach a younger team would be the idea of like, hell, hey, uh, go pick up the equipment or do this and do all that. I can't stand having people like, pick up cones for me for like, I, I like, I, I like to set up my own fields. I like, I like to like do all that stuff by myself for the most part. Um, And I've gotten better with the idea of asking for help, but for the most part, I, I enjoy, just enjoy doing it. So what I found myself doing was just talking about the game with that person um, and just getting their opinion. Uh, I think that's what I found. And, and not only that talking through the coaching points, like, you know, when we talk about passing and receiving a soccer ball, um, and uh, and I'm going to be completely honest, I have no, I have very little knowledge about field hockey outside of the fact that like I watch it come to the Olympics because I'm from Argentina and I know Argentina has a good women's field hockey program. So, um, but outside of that, I, I have very little knowledge of field hockey. But at least from a soccer standpoint, when it comes to passing a soccer ball, there's a bunch of things you look at from a technical standpoint. You're at, you know, their plant foot. Where is it facing? Facing. They locked their ankle when they played the ball. Uh, where are the hips facing? Where are their shoulders? Where Where are they looking? All these things, and you break that down, right? And ultimately, as you get more experience as a coach, you you're able to pick pick up on on maybe some technical deficiencies very very quickly. Um, but when you're younger, you don't really pay attention to it, especially as you're not you don't you, because you've never really been kind of taught to look at look for those things. So that's almost like my first coaching point to a coach is always like. Hey, what did you notice about the past? So then I talked through it and then it's developed in this, like this really cool relationship that I've built with, with the players that I've had coach with me or my assistant coaches throughout the years of just, we just talk about the game. I ultimately, from a decision-making perspective, I end up making the, some of the decisions, but then we just developed this really cool relationship where, you know, especially in the last couple, last couple of years, I've had. One of my assistant coaches, or I call him my associate head coach, anytime I'm on a team with him, uh, because he's he's older than I am, he has more experience than I do, and he just happens to be my assistant coach. We we play off of each other really well. He, like you mentioned, right? He he's the person that uh, is able to have the strengths to my weaknesses. Um, when I'm the loud one, he's the one one-on-one coach. When he's the loud one, I'm on I'm the one-on-one coach. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's that relationship. And I think obviously there's different approaches you can have. And I'm sure you you're in your role as an assistant coach, or even your role as a player, you've seen it where you've had, you've seen different views on how head coaches handle or deal with assistant coaches and some good, some bad, I'm sure. Um, but at least for me, and and as Caroline mentioned, like, you know, you kind of have to find your own path with it, but mine has been the idea of just talking, with whoever it is that I'm coaching, I care so little about the title of it. Uh, Dwayne and I coached a team together right now. Um, and I don't think we've really ever talked about the fact that I'm the head coach of the team and he's the associate head coach or assistant coach or whatever we want to call it. We never really talked about it. All we do is just go out and coach. I, I have an idea of what I want to do for practice. I bring it up. We agree. We disagree. We change it. We don't, We go with it. And then off we go. So that's my my two cents on
2: it.
3: I really love that because I mean like something that again like redefining our roles of of who we are on our team we're on the same team <laughs> like we are all on the same team but our our different names distinguish our roles and the pieces of the puzzle that we play. So, you know, we have these quote unquote leadership roles of, you know, the head coach, the assistant coach, the captains, all of these things. But at the end of the day, we are all on the same team. We just all have different duties to execute. And um, I'm reading, I'm also reading um, The Purpose of Power um, and It talks about organizing and it really resonated with me of we as coaches are organizers. We're bringing together a group of people for a common goal. And how do we do that? you know like there's so much back work to to get to where we want to be and um it really kind of like opened my mind up to you know what my role is and what my assistant role can be and how we need to work together to come to commonalities and and bring everyone together to work their hardest um so i really i really love that that you know they're like you call your assistant coach or associate co- head coach because that's that is like you share the same responsibilities. You share the same duties.
0: Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Um, I, again, I think it's this idea of just of like you said, right. We're all, we're all here uh, for the same, same common goal, right. Roles and responsibilities. We talk about this all the time with my players or, or with our players at the club specifically, we just talk about roles and responsibilities. If everybody just played their role, and accept it. I think that's the hardest part, right? We all have a hard time embracing and accepting our role, whatever our role might be, in that moment. And it's tough because there's external pressures that deal with it, right? Uh, you know, oh well, yeah, I have dealt with it as a as 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 a younger coach to a certain extent, maybe with with my parents or or, or just life in general, like oh well, why aren't you the head coach? Or why, why don't you do this? Or why aren't you getting this opportunity? And you're like, no, I'm embracing the opportunity that I have, like, and i mean, and I love that that part of it, right? And the same idea with pressure with players, like, embrace your role. Well, how is she supposed to embrace her role if she's not starting? Well, embrace your role from the bench. <laughs> like, it, it's that simple. You're still part of the team. You're not like you're still a part of the experience and be on the bus take your seat on the bus and go this direction with us, right? It's the energy bus, right? Like if you don't want to be on the bus, then get off the bus and go somewhere else. That's perfectly fine. Find the bus that fits you. Um, but I think it's this idea of all being on the same page. Um, and it really brought me back to last night. Uh, so Dwayne and I were, were, were coaching practice and um, we were talking about a coaching point. And I said, all right, like you got the coaching point. Like go ahead and like, that's that's, you got it. Like we just talked about it. You got it. You brought it up. Um, and so like two minutes later, like I stopped the the activity and I'm like, all right, Dwayne go. And like, it almost like to a certain extent, and, I mean, he's on this, but like it kind of threw him off a little bit. Cause he's like, Oh, I wasn't prepared for it. I was like, we just talked about it. Like, so I, I think that's the fun part of it. Right. And it's okay at times to like, and I've been in a situation where I've jumped, jumped on to make a coaching point, And all of a sudden you're like, you get out, everyone's eyes are on you. And you're like, Oh crap. What do I say now? Like, well, what is that supposed to say? Like, <laughs> I just forgot everything I had. Um, and in that moment, you're like, oh boy, like, where's the, where's the like magical sinkhole that's just going to take me away right now. Um, but I think you just embrace it, right? You just like, you, and, and I think that's your moment of vulnerability. And you're just like, you just in front of all your parties, Like, all right, sorry. I just forgot what I was going to say. Like, instead yeah. of just going into the cliche of like, we just need more communication and just walk away. <laughs>
3: Yes. Yeah, being open. Sorry, yeah, so, like showing them that, showing them all of those aspects of like you, like you are in this role, but you feel these, you feel all the exact things that your players are feeling. Like, it doesn't matter what role you're in, you still feel all of that. And and we have emotions. Like, and emotions aren't bad. They tell us things. And joy is also emotion like that is an emotion. Excitement is an emotion. And those are all things that we get amped up and psyched up for in games when we're doing well. And yes, we get frustrated, angry, upset as well, and handling those emotions, teaching them how to navigate those emotions. I mean, we are the role models for that. And so to appropriately handle those things of, of confusion as well, of, you know, a blank brain as well, like, like, show them what that looks like and and how we can overcome that and and teaching them resiliency
0: yeah
2: Yeah, I had a moment the other day when I was coming from a strive session and going to a soccer practice and the head coach wasn't available. So I was running the session. And as soon as I stepped onto the field, I was like, guys, I have to be honest. My brain is in 17 different places right now. So if I fumble over my words, if something I say doesn't make sense, call me out for it or call me up as our coach Bell would say, call me up on it. Let me know um, if I'm leaning on you guys. There were a few times where I was like, you guys make the teams you know your group go you know and that transparency is, is what matters
0: so that's great um i i think gina i i feel like we could we could sit here and talk for hours
3: oh um, yeah
0: <laughs> and this is like I, I i think at some point like i think can I, and i'm gonna ask caroline to set this up like caroline can we just do a uh um like a podcast marathon of <laughs> of just like uh you know how used to, the, the telethons used to happen i don't think they happen as much anymore but can we just do like a 24 i, I think it's a thing now with like with streamers right they they do this yeah, like, for, do like hours, for 12 hours a day or whatever uh i would i would be so so down to just sit here and just talk for like 12 hours straight about everything just in general coaching and i think um all right, Caroline, we're gonna we're gonna work on that. We're gonna it'll do be it. like
2: our version of the friends reunion. I'll bring back all the five people that have been on here. Yes. We'll, just, we'll go. <laughs> I'm into it.
0: Absolutely. Listen, we're coming up on our year. We got two more weeks in our year and our, our in our and we'll we'll get to episode fifty-two. Um I think that might be a great way to do it. We'll just bring everybody back and we all just do a, like a break reunion.
2: I'm down.
0: It's either that or either that or Gina and I just start a spin-off podcast of like <laughs> the soccer podcast and go into the field hockey podcast like (laughs) listen the the i i was pretty our our name was not super creative it just like it just fits perfectly for the pun of delaware um but ultimately like it can be adapted to anything right field hockey lacrosse uh ice hockey uh curling whatever it is we'll just we'll just throw that into it and just rename it like just change the logo we'll just put a little field hockey stick on it and we're off we're off and running.
2: It's happening.
0: It. I think. I think so. Gina. (laughs) Gina, we're starting. We're starting a podcast.
3: Oh wow! (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs)
0: There we go. You're gonna teach me about field hockey because I have like yeah.
3: It's it's honestly it's the same. I like okay. You know how parent when parents are like trying to tell you as an athlete what to do and everything, and I'm like yeah, Dad. Okay, because I mean he's been coaching soccer for. 27 years now but I mean like when I was in high school you tell me what to what to do or what and it wasn't until I started coaching I went to him I was like Dad, field hockey is the exact same as soccer. You were right as always. <laughs> but it's, you know, the same. Like it's like you were talking about. It's the same fundamental techniques and and what you do. It's the same tactics. We have the same field. We're just a little smaller and a couple couple more rules. A lot more rules. Um, <laughs> but it is the exact same thing. And I mean, as as coaches, our roles don't change either we, we are to help, we are to support, we are to facilitate, we are to help them grow into their best people and what they want out of this experience. And I mean, talking about that, I mean, I think you can talk to any coach and they'll, they'll say the exact same thing.
0: Awesome. Um, Gina, thank you. Caroline, thank you. Caroline, uh, once again, you just, that that bar, (laughs) that bar, that bar just keeps getting raised every, every month.
3: We got a
2: streak now. Make sure yeah. that I, keep I mean, listen
0: for, for, for month number four, we got a, yeah. I don't know. Is it, okay. is it, is it for month number four? Is it Linda bell and Gina all in the same podcast?
2: <laughs> that would be pretty know. cool. There would be a, everyone would be fighting for airtime. That's the only problem. I think that's the time when the <laughs>
0: internet just shuts down. Everyone exactly. just like it. Just we're back to dial up at that point.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it though. Thank you, uh,
0: Gina. Thank you so much. Uh, wish you the best of luck in your inaugural fall season as a head coach, uh, and oh, yeah. hope Bridgewater does awesome. We have a special connection. We were talking about it before the podcast. Got a special connection with Bridgewater, uh, so. Uh, best of luck
3: thank you so much i really appreciate it
0: all right uh what a what a great conversation with caroline and gina um uh we ultimately ended up talking to gina for like another hour after we we stopped the podcast
1: after we stopped recording the interview so that was really cool um definitely entertaining guests uh you know love having them back i mean all of our guests are entertaining but yeah no definitely a great topic this week to to discuss
0: yeah, I, I always enjoy having Strive on. I think it brings a different. It, it, again, we don't necessarily talk a ton about like specifically soccer, but we talk about soccer players. Like ultimately, things that affect everybody.
1: The other part, you know, the whole the whole kid, right? Not just yeah. the the feet, the head, yeah. the chest. Yeah, it goes on inside the head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So we've been talking about the Super League. Quite a bit on the podcast. We've talked about how we both disagreed with the idea of the Super League. Well, you know who else disagreed with it? The Premier League. (laughs) Um, Not only did they disagree with it. uh, Last Wednesday, they announced that they were going to actually fine Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, and United and Tottenham. uh, A total of 22 million dollars or 22 million pounds combined between the. um, Oh, no, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was twenty-two million pounds altogether um, for going to be part of this nonsensical Super League, and also agreed to accept fines of twenty million euros each, and thirty-point deductions if they uh, try to join some sort of similar
1: uh, competition in the future. So um, I did I did some math while we were doing the interview. Yeah. So if you start with a thirty-point deduction. Mm-hmm. You somehow win all of your games. Mm-hmm. This past year you finished second. <laughs> wow. Well, according to the, 20, like you gotta, you know, you got you starting points on the whole.
0: Well, Spurs and Arsenal would have been relegated this year with how their they did.
1: Without their thing, they, they get relegated. if they would have
0: had, if they would have had 30 point deduction this year, they would have been relegated.
1: So yeah, so for you, you know, the ballers that were breaking away that actually finished in the top five you stay up and you stay up. Yeah. But yeah. But, but if you're one of those ballers that didn't finish in the top five, if you didn't get to the Europa league, the Europa conference league qualification, <laughs> you might as well just don't don't might as well just get relegated anyway. Let's <laughs> just, let's it, just, just throw it yeah. out there.
0: So, so yeah, so ultimately, uh yeah, just a nice little piece of advice from, from the premier league. Don't join the super league again
1: because you will be and <laughs> what is it the English football league <laughs> championship you're in the championship. championship you're in
0: the championship um which listen we all we have we all know from Sunderland if you're one of those like bigger clubs and you end up in the championship before you know it you're going to be in league 1 <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah you just it just goes downhill from the <laughs> yeah. you you don't just make it back so um yeah so good times um so
0: last Sunday, so we talked about this in the podcast on Friday about the fact that the U.S. was going to play, be playing Mexico for the uh, congo Nations League final, and it happened. Um, oh, it happened
1: we, it, for two hours. Yeah. Um, probably still happening. The referee's probably still sorting stuff out. <laughs> <all this>
0: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's got another VAR call he's trying to make. Um, so I got to see the highlights. You got to watch the entire game. Um, better performance than when they played uh, Honduras? Before?
1: Um I think this is yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you play Mexico, and I think you know, anybody that's actually played USA versus Mexico would tell you that it's just one of those rivalry games where everything kind of goes out the window. Like it's USA versus Mexico. Like forget if you lost to Hot, like if we ended up losing to Honduras or whatever, like forget that. Like it's USA Mexico. It's I mean, you gotta deal with people throwing stuff out the stands, as you can see. Um and it's just a chippy game for minute one. Uh, but I mean, hats off to Mexico for just going at them, getting forward, right? Yeah. Gotta get forward. They got forward in the first minute and 30 and kind of set the tone for the game in the U.S. You know, kind of woke them up and said, hey, we're, you know, everybody's talking about us, but we're not there yet. We're not Spain of 2010 that was just winning 30 games. Like, we gotta go out here and compete the entire time. So I think it was a good match for our generation, that new generation of players to say, oh, well, you know, where you've got the, short end, of the stick, short end of the stick, we don't have experience.
0: Well, I mean, considering the three the three guys that scored the goals, 22, 22, and 18, like as far as their ages.
1: so, I mean, guys were just getting their first real caps over the past two games, right? Yeah. Like They had all had friendly caps, but like guys are just now getting those first, real fifa matches yeah
0: yeah um no for sure i think it was and now granted we can always go back and forth in the idea of whether the var was right or, or wrong on on both on both things that happened but you know for i think even even for um for ethan horvath to come in to the game as late as he did and then Managed to save that PK at the end. Like, it's, I think, I think the biggest thing that the U.S. can take away from this game is the fact that it was, it was winning an emotional, tense
1: game that maybe in previous years you, you maybe lose. Also, and also to your credit, Ethan Horvath, like, it's like it's a next man up mentality. Like, yeah, Zach Steffen goes down. Ethan Horvath played in the Champions League this year. So, I mean, it's it. Hey, he's got to step up. It's not like this is some no, yeah, it's a guy it's, that plays for you know FC Dover, right? <laughs> like some guy that just pulled out of here. Like the guy has Champions League experience, yeah. I think you saw that with the you know substitutions that we made. Like, these are guys that are winning leagues and you know, straight the numbers. So, I think that's good for us going forward,
0: yeah, for sure. And then, um, so now preparations for the gold cup i mean played costa rica the other day um ultimately beat him for nothing uh the guys that didn't get to play got to play uh
1: uh really With good the exception of mark mark really good really good really good for uh uh your boy mark got to play that, the that, entire game of mexico and come back and play against costa rica
0: i mean it's really good for for mark mckenzie to get that like that's confidence from greg berhalter to to, to say you know what like Really good job! Like I still believe in you. You can play. Um, obviously, Sebastian Legette gets uh, drove the bus. Uh, the that, was a, award. that was a fun little co- little text exchange between me and Dwayne. As he we're like, man, co- this guy, this guy can play anywhere on the field. Apparently,
1: he just wants to be on the national team. He gets the coach's award <laughs> for just being that player that cuts the orange slices. I play left back. I play as a striker. You know. I'm telling
0: yep. you, they're 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 teaching him how to how to set up the friendlies on the God Soccer system now, on the God Sports system.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't training as a goalkeeper when Stefan got down. If he wasn't <laughs> like hey, coach, I got you. And it's like hey, if
0: Ethan it. can't go, I got you. Don't worry, like Sebastian legette got it, <laughs> and
1: he refers to, him, to himself as a third in the third person.
0: <laughs> Sebastian's got you. Sebastian's got you. Yeah, it's a good great name right away. I mean. um so uh, and then last night, women's national team uh, played against Portugal. Sam Mears with the with the goal. Um, I think dominant performance from the U.S. in the sense that they created a lot of chances. Their Portugal's uh, goalkeeper was was very very good. Um, but again, we're just the women's national team just building some confidence um, ahead of the the Olympics in, in a couple weeks or in a month or so. So Sunday. They play Jamaica, um, Wednesday, the 16th, they play Nigeria and then a little double header July 1st and July 5th against Mexico. So let's say Mexico part two. Yes. So, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, it it was, it's going to be fun. Um, the other thing that happened was the Commonwealth qualifiers happen, or the, the second round, the second le- or the, the second week of the Commonwealth qualifiers. Uh, Argentina up to nothing against Colombia. And then with like a minute left, tied 2-2. So not so fun. Cool. Um, but I guess the biggest news out of the entire qualifier is that A, Brazil won again. So first time in history that any team has won every single game up to this point. Um, so far, there's at least been a tie. So that was interesting. Um, All these Um But the other thing was that uh, Brazil, the Brazilian, the Brazilian national team has officially announced that they're actually playing the cup America. So they are going to play it. Um, uh, I think Marquinhos came out and talked and said that like, at no point, no player refused to play for the national team. They're, They're playing on their protests in the sense that they are not; they don't agree with it, but they're not going to turn down playing
1: playing on the national team. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think it becomes a difficult situation for the clubs in Europe that are probably like, probably isn't the best situation. But, you know, we, I mean, we understand. But again, we don't really agree with it being played in Brazil because of everything we had to endure over the past season, right? Yeah. it's not yeah. a player's decision. It's it's the higher higher powers need to sit down and figure that part out.
0: Yeah. Well, ultimately, that kicks off on uh, on Sunday, five o'clock. I was
1: half uh, expecting it to be held in America, like at football stadiums. I was like, you know what, next you next and I, we'll, you and I are going to get to go. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's they're going to be having it at, like Philly, New Jersey. And next stuff
0: thing like you know, you and I are going on a summer road trip.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tickets yeah. are on sale now, full capacity.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, you, and the GM are are are, uh, are getting in the car and going because he was ready to go too. He was he was looking forward to he it. He was driving. He was driving. He was driving. Um, and the other thing that starts today is the Euros. Uh, as we talked about earlier, the Euros start today. Uh, Turkey versus Italy today at three o'clock. That's the kickoff. Um, and you know what's so interesting about the Euros this year? What well, other than the kickoff game they selected? Uh, well there's no there's no host country for this euros
1: like, that's why the kickoff game is turkey versus italy like
0: they're they're like it's getting played in like seven different countries like it's all over the place like even like even you as a country don't play in the same the same country like the groups don't like the groups are all over the place too like it is it is absolutely crazy um like it's just it just so where we live in hey it may so, be good. Hey, it may be a good marketing pitch in a few years. I think Italy might be one of the few countries that actually plays like all their games in the same place. Um, because it, it's it's just it's all over the place. Well, who you got? Who's your favorite? I mean, I don't know. It's like you can say that that Spain is is uh it is is going to be. Decent, um, but I mean, the thing is, I, I so I'm gonna look at the groups. So, Group A: Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales. Group B: Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. Group C: Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. Group D: Croatia, Czech Republic, England, Scotland. Oh my God, how many groups are there? Group E: Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Group F: Oh my goodness, France, Germany,
1: Hungary, Portugal. Yikes. Sorry, Germany. See you later. <clears throat> Hungary ain't making it. How many teams making out the group two, right? Two and
0: then the third one, the the two best three or something like that.
1: Germany better hope for the best three.
0: You think, you think Portugal, you think Ronaldo's coming with a grudge?
1: Germany doesn't have, well, they did bring back some of their older guys, but I don't think they I think they're, I t- mean
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Belgium. Um I'm still waiting for Belgium at some point to like break that like next step. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Belgium and France are the, the two front runners. Um I would ul- agree. ultimately because Lukaku
1: is a monster. So um yeah Belgium yeah. just for the small country just produces so much soccer talent for some reason. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, and I'm going to, and I'm going to say that like the underdog, the one that like is going to come in and like kind of surprise everybody um, is uh, I was going to say North Macedonia, but probably
1: Well, you said how many groups I'm like, well, when you got North Macedonia playing, there's a lot you know what's th- crazy is the fact that Iceland didn't make it. Their run is over
0: like that was it they had they had one run 2018 world cup and that was it um no i'm going to i'm going to give it up i'm going to give it up to to turkey i'm going to say turkey uh turkey's going to try to pull something
1: um i'm going to say turkey let's say England, england's a dark horse you think so just because because they don't ever, I mean, they can't be a contender because they never contend for anything. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's expecting anything out of them. Right.
0: I think Italy can, to a certain extent, too, no one's really expecting anything out of Italy either. Like you know, you, like that lost. group, that first group, Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales, everyone, I mean, I would assume that Switzerland's it's a good group. almost, but ultimately Switzerland, somewhat somewhat the front runner, considering at least in the last World Cup, they're the ones that made it the furthest. Um.
1: Wales isn't bad. They have something to prove. Italy has to bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know I mean done, right. Like they've got the talent, but they never do anything. So like they're, and essentially they've kind of rebooted it and got all the young guys in too. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. you know, With Phil Foden and Rashford. And- I mean, that's the
0: only other thing. Like I'm going to say that Phil Foden is going to be the, the Euros, Euros player. Of the as long as he
1: does it, Snapchat in the hotel.
0: <laughs> it's only if he goes to Iceland, but Iceland's not in the tournament, so he's okay. There we go. And <laughs> we're, we're good. Um,
1: All right, moving on to speaking the player. Of, hold that... on, speaking of Spain, did you realize like a couple years ago, Spain used to just be Real Madrid and Barcelona. Now it's all over the place. Now it's like no Real Madrid and no Barcelona. Like there might be a couple players.
0: I mean, Sergio Busquets is there. Pedri is in there. Um and then uh their center back, I think, is on there. But it
1: used to be like you take but ultimately
0: like Ansu Fati with the longest meniscus
1: recovery ever. Like, holy moly man. That's a that's a billion dollar meniscus recovery. It's huge. Um I would I would have made him take a year old, too. That's a huge investment or profit right there
0: listen all i know is that adama trattori is on the squad this year so which one the one from wolves
1: wolves trattori there's probably like four of them playing in the years (laughs) four (laughs) different countries there's one on france
0: can they all have a pic can they all take a picture together that'd be pretty cool
1: you would need like three pictures Side by side.
0: Now here's the question, right? So we talked about the fact that we've talked about this in a previous episode months ago, that you needed to have a minimum of exit. Oh no, but if you played in a competition, even if like you you weren't qualified to go. So it was just never mind. I answered my own question. I was gonna say, what if you only played in like one game of the Euros with one country? Could you play one game of the Euros in a different country four years later?
1: Like are cap tied.
0: Huh? Three. Right, but I think it's if you actually played in an international competition that automatically negates.
1: No, because the- Yudis Musa is cap tied, even though he didn't play in the in the Nations League. He's played in four friendly, so he's cap tied to the U.S.
0: Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but if you, but if you played, if you let's just say you only played one game, like your first call up to the national team was to go to the Euros. Right. You played one game at the Euros. You don't play ever again. You can't leave and change to a different
1: country yeah that might be one of those things they put you in front of the board and say well
0: i mean i think i i think it would make sense that if you played in, in a competition an actual like
1: sanction well I, I mean you think about those like wonder kids right like bohan kirkage right yeah baller spade do what one, he had to do one game in the Euro.
0: one game in the euros and he's out now he's playing for the u.s <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Like, maybe yeah, he files through that switch. He's been living here. He's been playing in the MLS. Like, life changes, too, right? So, I think that's Which what he's is. no
0: longer playing in the MLS.
1: Where'd he go? Um, Transfer fee?
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, let's see. Hold on a second. Because I actually just looked this up uh, recently.
1: Uh, he was not. I don't think he has a club. Hey. Yeah. You trying to pick him up? <laughs> He all his Freddie Adu. Um Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, he is
0: no longer. As far as I know, he's no longer playing. So he Man, didn't get picked up. He didn't get picked up again for uh, for uh, for Montreal. Maybe selling the in Montreal. So, yeah. Last thing he posted, I think he was like a commentator for a for a TV show in Barcelona. So there you go.
1: There you go. I'm trying to be the next Taylor Twelve. <laughs> there you go. The Spanish Taylor Twellman. L Taylor Twellman. The Chad.
0: Um all right. So um player of the match. Uh my player of the match goes out to I didn't want to break the news uh last Friday, even though like I kind of alluded to it maybe, uh, but I knew it was going on, but Carlos Tevez officially uh, announced that he left Boca Juniors. Um, sad news to hear that um, it was, it was a tough afternoon. Um, mostly. I mean, I have a really cool uh, connection in the sense that like my dog's name is Tevez uh, named after Carlos, of course, but um, so yeah, it was kind of sad to see him go, but um Again, he said he he said Boga juniors requires you to be at 120 percent like mentally and he's not. So uh big shout out to him for for making that decision. And um, I wish him the best of luck with whatever hey, he does. gotta be there 120
1: percent. You're only really there 100 percent. Not good enough. Not good enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. So physically he was in great shape. But yeah,
1: so I had that extra 20 percent to get out of that drive. So, yeah, there's my that's my player of the match. Who's yours? Yeah, I had to pick from a lot of players, but uh, sorry, U.S., I got to go with this kid from Mexico, Diego Ladez. Ladez. We need to figure out how in the world we can get him to switch (laughs) to be an American because that kid is filthy. (laughs) Like, I was sitting there, like, foul him, like, hit him. Every time he touched the ball, it was just a change. He's a filthy kid. I don't know where he plays now. Betis. (laughs) Batiste, yeah, I think a lot of player, people are going to call him soon because, I mean, just his foot skills and change of pace and just having defenders wrong-footed. I mean, he comes on in like 30 seconds and scores a goal. Like, man, he's one of those players, like every time you touch the ball, you're just like, whoa.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's next? Yeah. But for uh, whoever's the defending coach for the U.S., you just need to touch him. Yeah. just touch him that's all you gotta do is just hit him like I mean he's a small kid too yeah um second place I want to do Weston McKinney because he definitely balled out too during that game like passion everything Weston McKinney is a beast yeah um definitely show why Juventus paid the money they did for him like Christian looks one Weston McKinney's two like ain't no doubt about it best two players on our on our team right now yeah, for I'm sure. Me, but. All, all behind Sebastian Legette. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you looked at that. Let's just say top 25 players, Sebastian Lejet. I don't know how... He, I, I mean, <laughs> one, I don't know how Chris Richards is in the top 25. He hasn't played. But uh Sebastian Legette's not in the top 25. No. no. Right. Well... 100% I 100% bring in Brendan Aronson before I brought in Sebastian Legit.
0: I mean, Brendan Aronson, what he did the other day against Costa Rica was absolutely nasty. Yeah.
1: Was like, I mean, the, was like, that
0: was, that was messy esque
1: I mean, that was similar. And somebody,
0: uh, I think the Philadelphia, like this is the, this was struggle. I struggled. with um, the Philadelphia Union commented or reposted what he did. And he said, oh, did El Seno teach you that? And I kind of like, I was like, oh, like nothing against El senior Like I get it, but like.
1: Let the kid. Let's, like, let's, let's push the bar a little higher. I mean. Yeah, like, L. senior probably did teach him that. But guess what? Brendan L. L. is Aronson's way better his, at it. That's Elisino's job. He's on his way out. Yeah. Brendan Aronson's in Salzburg. Yeah. He'll probably get ready to go to Leipzig. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, on this day in soccer history, uh, this, is, this one's a cool one. Uh, so, June 11th, 2010. Do you know what happened?
1: booboo zealous that's right
0: the Bubu kicked off for the first time um the long-awaited first world cup in africa in south africa kicked off um june 11th 2010 uh that was south africa against mexico which we had just talked about to a fantastic nail-biting one one tie um I mean, I don't know if it was nail biting, but I remember. I remember watching the game. I'm not entirely sure if I remember the game as much as the fact that I just know that it was one-one, and that was pretty much it.
1: Uh, I, I remember that World Cup. Like we had to wake up at like six a.m. to watch those games, right? Like those games were like super early in the yeah, day. Yeah, they
0: were early. Yeah, early in the morning. Uh, you did. You know who scored the actual goal for uh, for Mexico? South Africa was winning the majority of the game. Do you know who scored the uh, the winning goal for for Mexico? Was it Javier Hernandez? No, it was not. It was Rafa Marquez.
1: Marquez still playing on the national team. Going still. to that seven, he's going try to get the seven World Cups.
0: <laughs> um, off the bench that day. This is pretty cool. Chicharito off the bench. Cuauhtemoc Blanco.
1: Oh, Blanco, <laughs> who at that point was already forty. Yeah, he was 40 when he's when MLS started. <laughs> so I'm sorry, he was
0: he's 48 right now. So what 10 who years was 48 ago? right now, Blanco? Yeah, he's he was 38 years old, man. Coming off the bench, <laughs>
1: somebody better go find his birth certificate.
0: <laughs> and then address Andres Guardado, um, who now plays at Betis,
1: but he yeah, played, he played the other day too.
0: Yeah, he did. You know who was in the goal? Here's a cool one you know who was in the goal. Ochoa? No, 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 not Ochoa. Oscar Perez. Who? Now, Oscar Perez is a goalkeeper who's also forty-eight years old, who in that time was thirty-eight years old. Um, or sorry, no, the thirty-seven. I guess it was eleven years ago, um, but just retired two years ago. Was still playing at Pachuca.
1: Two two years ago. Hey. At 46. I mean, keepers, if you're a keeper, that's the way to go. I mean, you just got to, I guess the tough part is just all those saves, those falls. Yeah. I mean, you definitely can't do it as a field player. I mean, maybe as a striker. Like, if you're like a Lewandowski you just, or like a Ibrahimovic, you just score goals and, like, that's all you can do. And somehow you just continue to score goals.
0: I have a very vivid memory of that game um, because there was a player that was just like I like just flat out stood out to me um and it's the guy that scored the the goal it was sifiwi Shabalala um uh, uh, who uh plays now plays at amazulu um in in South Africa um by the time like nobody knew who he was, he was placing he was playing on the Kaiser Chiefs. Um, and like the guy balled out and he ultimately scored the goal. But yeah. So so yeah, that was on this day in soccer history, twenty
1: ten, June eleventh, World Cup. So hey, Uruguay wasn't that Uruguay team. Was not that Diego Forlod? Yeah. He got like the golden boot at, at an abnormally old age too, didn't he?
0: Yeah, that was the day. That was the day of the the chip PK to beat. Uh, who did they beat? They beat somebody in the semifinals. It was it was it was a uh, it was an African team too. Uh, Ghana, Ghana, because they had beat the U.S. Yeah, it was Ghana, big <laughs> Ghana,
1: big Ghana and PKs. Whoever's organizing the next World Cup, please make sure Ghana and the U.S. do not play for a third time. I think we play <laughs> them every time we go to the World Cup.
0: Same thing with Argentina and Mexico. You guys play them a lot, too?
1: Oh, yeah. Back-to-back World Cups. Maybe maybe we'll just switch it up. Home. Maybe we'll come play Argentina. Yeah. Actually, maybe not. Maybe nah, we'll... you don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't uh, want to play that messy guy. No. Uh, fair play of the week. Uh, mine goes out to our Diamond sta- staff. Uh, you uh, KP and soccer, Dan, and also my family for putting up with the diamonds idea and project for the last six months, uh, knowing that it ultimately all really was leading up to tomorrow. So, um, just, just want to say thank you to all of you because, uh, without your support, this wouldn't have happened. Um, and I know I've been, this has been a, like a big topic of conversation and a big, like thing that I've been pushing for, uh, for the last six months. So, uh, thanks.
1: They give mine out to uh, the Diddy family, Um, you know, just an encouraging message they sent yesterday. Um, Didn't get to catch up with Dr. All or um, Dr. Diddy, but uh, thank you for the thank you card. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I hate thank you cards, but I love the messages um, because it does kind of reassure like you're doing the right things and that the parents do always see the right things like, I don't like thank you cards because I don't need them. I do it because I want to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's always nice to get them because you do get that reinsurance. I got three this week and I'm just like. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I don't open them in front of people. I take them and put them in my backpack and then I open them in the car. you go cry in the car, man. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. It's the same thing with gifts. Like any gift I ever get, I say thank you. Like I appreciate it. But just so you know, I don't open it in front of people. Yeah. No, that's That's nice. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, by the time you hear the podcast again, uh, we will have completed our first game. So uh, make sure you check out our live stream. If you are somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, uh, make sure you check out our live stream for the game. Um, We will be posting that information on our Instagram page. And again, that's at the union diamonds for the diamonds game tomorrow night at seven o'clock Eastern time. So if you're in England or wherever you are uh, Eastern time. So, uh, and I think I'm assuming once we stream it, it'll be able to be kept up or something like that. So it'll be there. It won't have any sound. So don't, don't try to like click the button a bunch of times. There won't be any sound to it. We'll just, we might just let the, like the, the natural sound of the, of the world happen. We, we got to find some,
1: we got to find some commentators like the movie dodgeball.
0: It's just like, just sit behind the
1: camera or yeah or I forget what that movie was where they had the two kid commentators it wasn't dodgeball dodgeball was the Ocho the Ocho
0: yeah yeah I don't know but we'll figure it out um all right well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot